Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast, Law is Rising. I am Sabertooth, and with me is Kizu. I'm a professional NFT collector, and Kizu is a professional art critic. On this podcast, we talk deeply about the business of creating, collecting, and analyzing NFTs. So if you're a creator or collector of NFTs, or you want to be, jump in. The water is warm. Special guest today, the crypto artist OG Max Osiris. Max, tell us, how did you get into crypto art NFTs? So, 2018, I was at a coffee shop and um, I had heard about, I'd done my research on blockchain stuff like a year before and didn't really know like whether the ICO craze was happening. And I was like, oh, this is very exciting. But when I heard, the, just the whole concept of art as NFTs on the blockchain, super rare. I just had that intuitive feeling that I, I was like, wow, this, this is going to be huge. And I need to get into this. Whether or not I thought I was like any good or whatever, I thought, okay, this this looks interesting. And sort of like the promise of what it purported itself to be seemed naturally like the evolution of, of art. And yeah, I guess I just have an intuitive sense that this is going to be big so then i just started you know submitting work and it was kind of sporadic at the time you know i mean there's periods where i was making art like every day and and minting them sometime later but in the early days it was just sort of like i don't know nobody kind of knew what the hell they were doing (laughs) it just seemed fun and promising and that's one of the things that i really appreciate about the space is I really love those days of just experimenting. What Super Rare did well is they kind of gave, like the site had this like clean look. It was it was like a virtual, what you would expect from like a fine art gallery, I guess. And it, and it kind of had that feel to it. So I think they sort of like legitimized it aesthetically and then also, you know, con- conceptually, I guess. But I, I appreciate it. It was like, it looked, they looked like Sotheby's. You know, it's ironic. I think they have like a deal with them now or whatever. But I was kind of like, oh, this kind of makes sense. This is, you know, this is like a, a gallery that you would go to, like a fine art gallery, but it's like digital and modern. And yeah, I mean, I, I still don't know what crypto art is. It's just, <laughs> and like, there's the whole collectible thing that, that also is like making it even weirder. But, you know, and then the subset of like trash art for me is interesting because it's also it's like, what the hell is trash art? What is even art? What is, what are we even doing here? But it's a lot of fun and apparently profitable for a lot of people and it has been for myself, which is awesome. Other people have sort of described sort of your aesthetic as sort of like a trash artist. How would you self-identify? I would describe myself as a trans-dimensional artist. And I think that's is just the word that came to me at the time. You know, sometimes I, I kind of I sort of, and I've, you know, people have written about me and calling me like a digital shaman or something like that, which sort of, it makes sense to me because, you know, a, a lot of my interests lie in... Uh, psychedelics and psychedelic research and then sort of like visionary states so the way that i like to sort of think about it is i'm like i'm sort of existing in this between dimensions and a lot of my art is like that it's kind of like it's glitching reality in a sense and it kind of ah, you know dovetails nicely conceptually into sort of this idea of that like we're actually glitching reality with crypto art you know we're redefining value systems and you know what is and then like reward systems too for rewarding like creativity and for sort of like talent 
in creating things in a visual aesthetic that kind of, you know, give people like a, a sense of like, huh, what is that? What is, what is, the, you know, it's sort of like the, the cutting edge of visual communication and like the ability to say things visually and communicate it that like some of my favorite art is art that speaks to something that if you were to like speak about it directly, you know, people would either dismiss it or, or not understand it or, or judge it or, you know, like almost like political issues of, of the hand or sort of like philosophical issues of that we're all swimming in collectively. And I feel like crypto art is just a really good vehicle for capturing like the zeitgeist or capturing sort of the, like the ineffable, you know, the sublime details or concepts that would be difficult to do in a like non-visual sense or in a non-distributed, globally connected sense. That, that's a great summary, I think. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm always interested to see how, you know, or, or what from the contemporary art world translates into NFTs and what doesn't. Similarities and obviously differences between uh, the crypto art world and uh, what we call the traditional art world. Like, would you say that you take pointers or references from that uh, context? Well, I mean, I can only speak for myself. It's such a... <laughs> it's, even like thinking about it, it's so... It's such a convoluted mess of things to think about. Like, everything that you just said, yes and, I would say. You know, like... It's a, I have a complicated relationship to, to like the main art world sort of gallery thing. And I feel like this whole thing is disrupting it, which I'm happy to do because I think there's aspects of it that are like we all kind of like, mm, it's kind of bullshit in it. And it's just sort of like this thing for the ultra wealthy and this thing for um, how it's just galleries, a bunch of, you know, traditionally, you know, it's either like in a museum setting and there's like a whole art history thing behind it for people who know, or it's like fancy ass galleries of people and being like, mm, yes, you know, hopefully somebody come in here and, and buy this, you know, $10,000 painting that, you know, it, it obviously took like skill and, and work and effort to do, but only like the wealthy could afford that sort of, um, the democratization of art is, is one of the most exciting aspects of this thing. I think it's like rewarding creativity in a way and on a scale that hasn't been just, it's never been like this before, you know, like artists, there's a lot of artists who are making a living and making a good living now and just expressing themselves digitally without the need for, and, you know, just the, nature of the decentralized the web and then the web three it's always on you know it's, it's not limited to physical location and i don't know like i see the art world even like trying to catch up to this and trying to like, take advantage of like kenny schachter put me in some shows but i kind of like trolled them because in a sense i also sort of like resent that whole here's the people who really have great taste in art and then they're going to tell us what great art is, you know? And so it's sort of disintermediated that whole world too, which I love because it allows for a lot more participation. The gallerists aren't as important or the curators aren't as important because we're all sort of curating, but it is also because, you know, why it's sort of like, why do people buy this art or why do they own it? Um, and, you know, how and where do they show it off? And there is an aspect of like, oh, look at my good taste, you know, like, check out check out my art collection and that's and that's pretty because it, it speaks a lot about the person and what they find interesting you know sort of their particular 
style and taste and, and what they're collecting and then what that means socially if other people look at them their collection and sort of say oh, okay that's dope or like oh you got these pieces or oh you know like you're able to snag a, a robness or an next copy or like lesser known artists but look at their style it's, it's super, super dope so there's like this like social utility aspect of it which is interesting and people are trying to you know create like like on cyber i think .io or whatever it's like an easy metaverse curatorial platform for all your art so it's kind of like hey step into my art gallery and check out my good taste you know and then there's like the financial aspect of it which is like oh you know if you're betting on a right artist early on you might get like handsomely rewarded because other people are going to like want to buy these like early editions or things from you let me ask you but like just about the way you look at your art and how you i guess segment it because you're on a few platforms. You, you mentioned you, you sort of joined the NFT world through Super Rare, and then you also have collections on Then Origin and, and Rarible. How do you think about the different platforms? A lot of times I create something, I'm just like, I, I'm like, this could, you know, like this sort of self judgment thing comes in. I'm just like, what the fuck is this? Like, am I, am I an idiot? Or like, is this too dumb? Or is this like too weird or something like that? You know? And then I was like, oh, fuck it. That's just what it is. And I put it out and where I put it out, sometimes like in my, you know, my personal experience, I got kicked off of all these platforms at certain, at some points. So I like started using, let's say like known origin more out of necessity or OpenSea because known origin didn't allow me to like mint for a while. Let's go into that story, right? Because you, the, the story is that you got kicked off known origin because of a trash art piece that, that you did. Can, can you tell that story? Um, no, none origin kicked me off because I, I got doxxed and, and sort of this guy tried to like poison my reputation by making up all this shit and people believed it. It was a weird time. Um, but the super rare thing happened just because I, we were in like a telegram and I told Zach, like me and Robness were talking about something and Zach tried to like tell us to go away and I was talk somewhere else. And I was like, the fuck are you talking about? So that kind of like started this like weird thing. And then really it just came down to about like, because I've been kicked off there twice. The second time was because I refused to burn a piece about how much of an asshole Hackatow and Pac is that was like in visual format of an expression of sort of like the elitism in the scene. And ironically enough, they didn't like their art being sampled in this piece. And it was literally the piece is called like, edit no love and it was about like the no love between artists in the scene who didn't who i found like weren't as supportive of other artists as much as they were just trying to like make it about themselves and about you know and sort of like the the bouginess of it all so he tried to like or whoever hack it out is try to like flex their nuts and being like tell them to take this thing down you know and i was like sorry homie like that's my art and that's my expression and that's exactly what the art is about so and then there's other things too. Like they were uncomfortable with, with some of the art talking about like, I made a piece called Place a Bid, which is sort of like, it was a, the Place a Bid button. And another one was called Place a Wash Bid. And because I was in a unique position to bid on my own art through an account that I had early on, I basically had two accounts on there. I thought I had lost the one. So then they gave me another one. But then through like a weird series of events, I found the private key to the original one. So I was like, oh, if I if I bid against myself on this, 
very obviously, you know, like I'm making a wash bid. And it's sort of this thing that people were suspecting was happening, but no one was really like talking about it that much. So I like to, I like to throw context into the thing and make it the thing. You know, that's one of my favorite things to do. Like even I was supposed to do this unit gallery, uh, no, not unit Institute gallery show in London or something. They're having like in the physical space. And it's like the fine, you know, the contemporary art world meets digital world, but then they make all their, artists sort of like agree as part of the participation thing to be to adhere and be bound by the dmca the digital millennium copyrights act so what i submitted to them was just basically this a lot of it was this piece where there's a lot of white space and then just that paragraph so i'm kind of like here it is here's the art and it was talking about sort of the bullshitness of the dmca and then I think I made it like, you know, 10 ETH or something like that. And I was like, here's the art. And they were like, this is not, no, no, this is, this, we can't have this. And I'm like, why? It's art, right? Like, what the fuck do you want me to do? You want me to like become sort of this, like typecast myself? It's like, you want this like aesthetic or style that Max Osiris is supposed to be? Like, no, this is, this is the art. And it's really like kind of weird because you guys are bound by the digital millennium copyright rack like you're you're bound by this copyright thing um i'm not and you know it's and so much of it is about like the freedom of expression and dismantling like the motion picture association you know like basically i'm i'm still pissed off that they fucked up kim.com and by they i mean it was this like huge conspiracy between fbi riaa new zealand like special ops for like a cool hacker who was just chilling and making too much money being a you know being a dope boy and then like they they fuck him up and wrap him up and he's been fighting extradition for about 10 years and a lot of it has to do with with the dirty money that like these industries are giving senators and different people in power to you know, stifle creativity because they're afraid of losing their foothold or their, you know, ability to control, you know, through like digital rights management and things like that. How did you get back on the on the platform? Did you have to like promise to what, not do what you were doing or, or did it just blow over? Or how, how <sighs> so, so basically like like the first time I found out because I couldn't mint anymore, and like my my contract was not on the whitelist any any longer. So like like even though I try, I tried to tokenize it, like you know the the contract would be like you can't do it, and I was like what the and I kind of suspected that it might happen. I remember like having a conversation about this with myself and being like, should I stand for this thing? It might really cost me all of it you know because they were like the biggest game in town and i said yeah i think i think it's worth it i think i'll survive i'll I'll, you know i'll go for it so banned for a while but the thing is is like robness and this is why like he's my homie is he's just like why are you why are you banning him they didn't like that he was making these statements too or just like tokenizing the the bitcoin logo or tokenizing the ethereum logo right it was very like duchamp thing to do i think and and they're kind of like, well, no, we don't, we don't want that on our platform. And that's, that's, that's a little too, that's not art or that's, you know, and then he did the, like the toter. And that was like the, the resistance piece to me getting banned amongst other things. And that kind of gave rise to the trash art movement. Cause it was artists standing up for other artists just being like, Hey, like 
you removed an artist. Why did you do that? Like, we like this artist. He's our friend. And so it like, kind of caused that whole thing. And people were like, hey, let, let Max back on and let Robna's back on. So there's like a hubbub about it. People wanted us back on and super kind of wanted us back on too. And they were like, okay, well, if you play nice, and it was like a long process, it was like months and they kind of like started reaching back out and we had a conversation and we like talked about what was going on in the space and just had like a, you know, a human conversation. They're like, okay, well, if you, uh, we'll let you back on, you know, just, just don't cause any more trouble. <laughs> When they say don't cause any more trouble, do they mean, like, do you think they mean, like, don't create beef with other artists? Or do you think they mean, like, don't make stuff where you can get DMCA'd by copyright holders? Like, what do you think they meant? The way that I saw it is they were, because they're a United States-based company, they, I think, probably, like, lawyered up and talked to some attorneys and the attorneys... I fuck attorneys, man. I, I can't stand attorneys. Attorneys ruin all the fucking fun. And I know because I went to law school and I, and then like, there's this like vampirism that comes into your brain when you become an attorney where you just, everything is torts and everything's liabilities and then shit like that. So fuck attorneys. That's my, that's my soundbite. Uh, it's because uh, I know what that's like, you know, like, I've, and I was like, oh man, now they're like lowering up and their attorneys are like, well, you're going to, you know, be bound by these things because it's like a, American company and it's bound by all, you know, the, the restrictions of being in. Yeah. So it's like IP copyright, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, fuck copyright and fuck the old systems and how things operated. Like even this whole Matt Fury thing. I don't know if you saw like the Pepe. Sad frogs, frogs, right? The sad yeah, frogs. Sad yeah, frogs like, and I'm curious. I'd love to know more about that. Of just like, is this Matt Fury or is this... Look. I tweeted a whole whole bunch on it and I, I had a bunch of sad frogs, but uh, to me, it's it's because of the crypto space's anonymity, right? So what happens when you get DMCA'd is that you have to file a counterclaim. And then to file a counterclaim, you need to dock yourself, right? You, can, you can't file a counterclaim as an unarmed. And all these NFT projects, nearly, nearly all of them are all either pseudonymous or anonymous. So basically, if you're a copyright holder, you know that none of these guys want to dock. So... It doesn't even matter really if if your copyright, if you really think like the copyright is being infringed. Because if you know that people are not willing to dox, you can just file <laughs> and kind of take things down without really having that much of an impact, basically. And that's basically what happens, right? So as far as I know right now, uh, the sad frogs devs are going to remove all the stuff that they say is going to be infringing and they're going to redraw the art and they're just going to update the metadata. Yeah, I mean, it's it's who's got the bigger dick or who's got more money or who's got, you know, more ability to argue in front of some piece of shit judge or something, you know, and I'm just like that whole thing. <laughs> and, and you know, I think you I think you said it pretty well, like you're, you're saying like, yo, this is this is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Right. And yeah, it's such a devil edged sword and sort of this thing of balance of power of. I mean, on a personal basis, I was um, traveling with this, you know, my ex-girlfriend and I, and she ran like a, a shoe website and a blog and like she used a photo of some celebrity and she got one of these like automated DMCA extortion racket fucking emails 
where it was like, pay us $500 and then don't do it again. But if you don't, we're going to like come after you, blah, blah, blah. So it's just like intimidating, like these bloggers about using like the images and people were like, create the images. Like I, I agree that there should be some sort of like, you know, some ways to like compensate them for like making them available and things like that. But even like I had a DMCA takedown of a tweet of a piece of crypto art. And it was like, because it contained within it a, an image of a porn star and people, and it got like, the tweet itself got taken down just, you know, because of these like automated systems that run through and, you know, and that's what I like. I hate the automated extortion racket system based on outdated law or like law that cannot keep up with like the intricacies of what we're all experiencing. Super N and Origin Maker's Place, every single one of these platforms are not decentralized. Like Niffy Gateway, all, all these platforms are mostly based in the US. They're going to be subject to, you know, those old school laws. Um, and, and they make up the majority of the market. The way it looks like, you know, even though the, the number of platforms is going to increase, most of them are going to be kind of centralized platforms that are going to be able to, to sense stuff. Like, how do you feel about that. I mean, there's it's certainly started to like the shit I hate about the modern world, you know, like the the corporatization, everything, the the wielding of power by those with like money and whatever. Like, you know, I think for me personally, it's like when I when I saw on OpenSea the like the main announcement that Coca like in the header of Oh my God, Coca-Cola just dropped their first NFT, guys. I was just like, fuck. And then, you know, I just had like this like visceral reaction to it because I was like, oh God, like this, these aspects of the world that we live in and that suck is like starting to now take over this thing that was actually really cool and actually had some promise. And I actually do still think that, that we have a, a bright future ahead if we collectively sort of you know, um, fight back the Persian horde of assholes who are just trying to control shit again, you know, using the old systems. And, you know, it's kind of, I don't know, like the, some Jedi shit. And I feel like the the best artists kind of get it and are the Jedis doing this stuff. And then like, there's people, some of the people that I really appreciate is like, you know, like Jimmy or, or other people who see these issues and are working within to create better solutions, you know, to create structurally like, and as platforms and like the fact that there's more platforms coming on and there's other projects even outside. Like one of the things is one of the architects of Ethereum was the guy who like doxed me and he was such an asshole. And I'm just kind of like, mm, uh, he, and he wielded his power to try to like shut me up, you know? So and I'm like, every time I pay these gas fees, I'm like, man, I'm I'm actually sort of like adding to his insane coffers, you know? And I'm just kind of like, is that really what I want to do? Like every single time I want to make a transaction, I'm like paying for this guy to be richer because he aggregated a lot of the wealth on that, you know? So I'm actually interested in sort of, you know, other chains and dis disintermediation of these things and that's its own challenge because it's kind of like well if it gets too diluted then the value doesn't really stick because it's kind of like if i have some like shit coins based things somewhere in a wallet that doesn't even like function because there's not enough developer support for it or something but i don't think that's going to be an issue i think we're all sort of like converging and 
disintermediating, um, you know, like the, the the ethos of of the decentralized aspect of NFTs and and what this is, uh, you know, it, it, I feel like if it's if it is what it says it is, it's kind of like if Bitcoin is what it purports itself to be, and we all sort of agree that it's a good thing, it's going to be a good thing. And a lot of times, I test the edges of these things through my art and through my expression of like, okay, so this is the promise: is it being realized or not, or you know, is this like a red herring that somebody's using to sell one thing and then take advantage another way? You know, I don't know. Like, I appreciate this like the opportunity to even like speak because you know I think about these things a lot, but I don't talk about it. Just one last question: Galleries often plant people in auction rooms that bid, that kind of like you know drive up the price, for example. So that's something that dealers do. But then for the artist to kind of like fix, you know, kind of fix his own price as himself as such, right? Because you got two accounts. <laughs> it's something that I think is a, is a, is a splendid case of sabotage in a, in a sense, um, because of the way that a platform works, the artist can assume those roles. And I'm just wondering, moving forward, do you hope to become that kind of, uh, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to say like activist, but I, I do see that there's, there's a part of that work that does function in that, in that way because it does kind of like short circuit the system right yeah and i i mean i don't mind the word activist i'd, I'd love to call myself an activist and i because i in that sense like i actually care a lot about people and i care a lot about artists and i care a lot about the environment and i care a lot about these issues that we're all dealing with and i think it's important to be an activist and to, to stay active and you know like for me like one of the things that like when whenever I have these like waves of success where like coin drops or something like that, you know, one of the things that I try to do is, you know, I think deeply about issues affecting all of us and worldwide. And the fact that earth is warming and now we're finding out, Oh shit, it's actually really bad. If we don't act or we don't do something, or if we don't talk about these things, or if we don't talk about the, like the financial system and the corruption and the fed and how, you know, world governments and banks can basically like come in extend loans and and then own a company's resources including their people and it's like modern versions of slavery and 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 i i'm not cool with it so you know the people who are like holding crypto ninero artista the like like holds this particular vibration of like you know fuck the overlords you know and like a lot of the overlords are trying to be like oh well okay we gotta like take over the nft market and digitally strategize on how to like maintain market share and like you know like the old bullshit thing and i'm just kind of like no no like let's get more creativity awarded artists paid so they can feed their families no matter where they are in the world and do it in this within a system that's like you know taking fiat and converting it into crypto and then that crypto doesn't allow for so much i guess in modern slavery to keep occurring you know and i actually am excited for and i'm looking forward to projects that are using like there's one in costa rica that i i want to find because i think it was last year that i came across of it and they're using the money to restore natural habitats for fish like aquaculture and things like that or some of the money so for me now that i have some more time and space 
I'm probably going to look into developing my own blockchain or my own contract, which allows for the ethos of the individual to align with something naturally, like let's say people, you know, planting um, natural food in their neighborhoods or, you know, helping remediate the land and the, you know, cause all this stuff is, is, is fun and dandy and it is a lot of fun. And, and at the same time, we really like need to restore our habitat and our relationships to each other as human beings, especially through all this COVID and all this like BS masking of the individual and the voice and you know these mega cores now making obscene amounts of money on selling untested basically i mean they're testing it was like it's bullshit and i feel like the people who i really admire in the space in crypto all around the world they, we sort of understand these things and you know we're we're doing our part and i'm like i think we can do even better so you know I don't care about Coca-Cola dropping some bullshit. I don't really care about Paris Hilton dropping it. And I, I sort of, I kind of get it and I kind of appreciate her sometimes, you know, but it's like we're all collectively building this better world. And I'm excited to just have like a smart contract that will just automatically without even me having to do anything, just like push whatever wealth I can manage to aggregate into areas and like fund projects that are worthwhile that are turning the tide for all of us collectively max it sounds like when you come back on the podcast you're gonna have a new project to share with us the thing that's so crazy about you know like three days ago i was like oh man i don't have enough money and i'm like i'm living at my mom's house and i'm behind on rent and i was like ah when the super rare coin dropped and all of a sudden i have like overnight i'm like oh i have some I have some leeway here and it's like actually kind of shocking to, to like be like, Oh yeah, I actually have more than enough now. But then I try to immediately funnel into like people supporting me projects that I appreciate, you know, and hopefully I can, cause that's, that's the thing is like, if, if you get too wealthy or too rich, you kind of become an asshole. And I know cause I've, I've done this a few times. Uh, <laughs> and then like sort of to remember what I was thinking of if and when I had enough time and space to do something to actually do it and really commit to, you know, my own, like to not forget why I'm doing it and then to actually do it, you know? So I don't know. I don't know. I hopefully I'll, I'll create something. I've downloaded like the cosmos.network framework and I'm like looking at how to create like a blockchain and, and use some of the tools that are available you know, and it's it's kind of like a big undertaking. So I don't know how long it's going to take or what it's going to look like, but I hope so. Yeah, I'd love to come on and talk about it. You know, hopefully I can create some sets of tools sort of on a programmatic level. Thank you, Max, for, for joining us. And uh, uh, thanks to our listeners for listening to this episode of uh, Always Rising. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Floys Rising. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe, follow, and give us a review on your favorite podcast app. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Floor is Rising. If you want to reach out to us, just send us a DM.